I'm Ryan Peck. And I'm Nicole Barlow. And this is Soundtrack Your Life. Today, our guest is Tyler, host of I Turn My Podcast On, a podcast dedicated to the rock band Spoon. Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, Tyler. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about I Turn My Podcast On? Well, it's a podcast about the greatest rock band of our time, Spoon. Um, as you mentioned, there is um, the title came from a f- infamous uh, song, I Turned My Camera On. So uh, that can be confusing, as well as I copied the album art from said album. Um, so basically, it just started with uh, being a huge fan uh, online for many years. And um, like everybody, it, COVID happened and everybody had more time. I've been working on this idea for some years behind the scenes, and there's there's proof, there's receipts of that. But uh, yeah, when that when that all happened, I had more time, and I uh, reached out to the lead singer songwriter Britt Daniel, and um, like it just happened that you know he had time as well. We started interviewing, and uh, I have like over 18 hours of interviews with him as well as other band members, uh, producers. And um, kind of turned into this whole project. So I'm trying to do my best at uh, you know, making it as good as possible. So it's not super prolific. You're not getting an episode every week or every other week. It's a pretty big archival project. Um, I'm currently talking with a drummer, uh, Jim Eno. So we're working in, it's kind of a season two, if you will, that's going to be coming, starting with Gimme Fiction. So we did the first four albums, um, uh, a really good uh, set of EPs. And so now we're kind of working on the pre-production and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get those episodes out as soon as we can. But uh, just a big love letter to the band, and they're awesome. Well, we are so thrilled to have you. This is a long time coming. We love meeting other fellow members of the Britt Daniel Appreciation Society. I like talking to someone about Spoon, and they don't think that I'm saying something about, like, utensils. So yeah. it's great. This is amazing. Yeah, thank awesome. you for yeah, coming on. And, and, of course, we did the, the most obvious thing is to not – Cover the soundtrack by the band, or and, and super involved Brit Daniel. But we're talking about Batman, so that made perfect sense. But no, in all honesty, that's how we kind of uh, get in contact. Is you did a great episode, and everyone should go listen to that on uh, the film Stranger Than Fiction. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how this whole back and forth talking about uh, podcasting together happened. Right. Well, since we totally screwed up and did not include Tyler on our Stranger Than Fiction episode, here we are talking about Batman Forever. Because why not? Perfect. So it's a 1995 Joel Schumacher film, or I guess the late Joel Schumacher. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but this soundtrack came out before like Spoon was a real band. Yeah, definitely. So why are we talking about Batman Forever, Tyler? Well, it was one of my uh, youth-shaping soundtracks, pieces of, of music. The movie was as well, but uh, you know, I have a whole film and TV uh, relationship with Batman. But uh, yeah, the music was just hitting me at a really good time where I was, um, you know, I was born in the late '80s, grew up in the '90s. My mom had—I'm pretty sure I got it through the CD. Uh, um, you know, the catalog where you pay $35 for one CD and then get like 13 for a penny. So 
every so often. Columbia. My, yeah, like every so often, that's how I, my mom would let me pick out a couple albums. And she's like, well, they're only a penny. I guess I can get you three cents and you can pick out three albums. So, you know, every once in a while I get to pick out some music. That was pretty cool. And um, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember anyone introducing it to me. I think I just discovered it that way. And then it became a daily driver on the boombox. You know, it was it was on and I recorded myself in a Batman t-shirt singing uh, Seal and kind of the rest is history, yeah. Okay, well, we're gonna, first of all, we're gonna need that after the show so that- we I don't have the technology, show. see, that's the thing. Nope, I'm going to your mom's <laughs> house, give me her address. I'm gonna go to the basement, so- attic, whatever, dig that out, and then it's gonna be Nobody. on Instagram. If it exists, we have the technology. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is in a V it's on a VHS tape in my basement. Um, that would be really fun. To, I honestly don't even have a, a VCR anymore, but I should probably try to find that so you can use it for a promo. That would be, that would be pretty. Tyler's incredible. mom. If you're listening, uh, come through, contact us, DM us. <laughs> uh, cause I need that. That feels, uh, very, very nineties peak nineties. I feel like this soundtrack is in a lot of ways, peak 1995. I mean, the fact that you just mentioned like the Columbia House slash BMG music buying scam, which some of us are old enough to remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great, though. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, that's, there was no, I mean, I, I could obviously read. I didn't have my own magazine subscriptions though as a kid, you know, besides like a, like a, something you'd get at the school library. And so that was how I found out about music. You know, my mom's and dad's collections. And then this was a new world. I had a portable CD player, I had a boom box, and I could like pick out CDs that looked cool. And nothing looked cooler in the 90s than uh, Batman. Yeah, to me, when I picture, when I picture this, which is like the poster slash whatever jewel box cover, I just picture it in like that discount bin in a warehouse music that smells like, stale pop secret and industrial plastic it's the, it's totally that vibe maybe like some traces of bath and body works like it's so 1995 it's so like commercial 1995 to me it is yeah and i don't know do you guys get kind of in depth with the uh like the soundtrack and movie like how it's i know in some episodes you do but basically this movie was a reaction to the last movie and the the reason like it was more fun and kitty like because McDonald's, you want to talk about commercials, and McDonald's said it was hard to make toys for the last movie. So they had to make a movie that was more like fun and bright. And that's kind of like where part of the concept of this movie came from. Yeah, I think I think there was a lot of intentionality with the producers behind the scenes saying to Tim Burton specifically, pressuring him like, hey, we really want to make this something for like the MTV generation. We need something that's like more comic book and more fun and more sellable. Like, please don't be weird anymore. We don't want weird Batman. We want like McDonald's Happy Meal Batman. Yeah. And ultimately that's why Tim Burton walked away from the project and Schumacher came on. And, and there's this whole kind of like shift in the 90s Batman cinematic universe. Yeah, he definitely wanted to go more for like a campy comic book sort of look. They felt that Tim Burton's version was too dystopian. Yeah. Is that how you say it, dystopian? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's his own thing. It's a Tim Burton. You know, he it's a Burtopian. He's he's got his own world of you know. 
Right. Birdtopia. Edward Scissorhands. Bird-topia. Edward Scissorhands could walk into the first two Batman movies and like, and you'd think not twice about it. Like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. Schumacher, you wanted to cut ties so badly that he said, uh, "Make the score as un-Danny Elfman as possible." Yeah, which is, is so funny to me. He was literally like, "Hey, don't be inspired by Danny Elfman." Which who says that? Like, don't listen to Danny Elfman. That that pack. <laughs> yeah, it's made like some of the greatest uh, scores ever. By the way, did you ever check out or any of the? I think it's Elliot Goldsmith who did the score. Um, or do any of those Batman themes ring in your head? Like if you if you rewatched parts of the movie, because honestly, I think they're pretty good. Like I, the Batman theme in this movie, I think is is pretty good. Yeah, I think it's respectable. I I think with any Batman movie, the the composed score resonates more maybe than at least when you're watching the film than like the soundtrack itself. Right? Yeah. This is like peak era songs inspired by the film so it has that very the soundtrack itself has that very like that's what i call music compilation sort of vibe yeah (laughs) because i think i think the rundown is that there's actually only five songs from the soundtrack that actually make it into the movie that's it yes yes you're correct yes i had that notes too and only three are in the movie. Like the other two are just the credit and the credit sequence. Totally. So right. it's, it barely even registers, right? Like you're mostly getting the score because that's what's like iconic, yeah. quintessential Batman. Like that's what carries the film. Batman, I mean, unless you're talking about like Bat Dance. That's right. Which I feel has like a, the you know, the Prince songs, maybe a different story. Yeah. Agreed. Also, like maybe in this one, you could consider the... <laughs> the riddler's method man theme yeah to be like maybe more that's yeah incorporated. That's, that's really the only like literal association with the movie you know i mean it's about a character and it's in the movie but yeah right you look at all i mean there's like a ton of a ton of covers um there's you know like the most famous song i'm sure we'll get in depth about um was like an a song that he had written years prior and then they like re-upped it into the soundtrack. So Yeah, yeah. and it didn't blow up until Joel Schumacher shot him in front of the bad signal. Shirtless or open shirted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Open shirted open shirted seal. Yeah. Uh and for the kids at home we are talking about uh the most well known song from this soundtrack, which is Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Suck it Bono. Uh, suck it Bono. It's the most known song from this soundtrack. Like, let's be honest. It is. It is. And I um, I do like the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. It is. Hands down. It was everywhere. Oh, like, yeah. this song was everywhere. Reached number one on the U.S. charts. Nominated for MTV Movie Awards. Like, yeah, it was literally everywhere. Like, Seal is still coasting on the strength of this one yeah track seal got to marry heidi klum on the strength of this like one song like look can you guys name another seal song i can't uh, oh brandis can. can i can i can um okay i'm okay. the minority i can't everybody's a fan now i can't name it but you can, six here you'll know it if it goes uh oh yeah yeah that I feel one, like you if know. you watched VH1 in the mid nineties, oh, you, you would hear that one. Yeah. You know, 
He also covered Fly Like an Eagle from by Steve Miller Band for Space Jam. And that's why Brandis knows that song. God, you know, Seal to me, ah, shit. You're right. I do know some Seal songs. But still, like, when when we look back at Seal, I feel like this is still maybe, like, the top of his tower of song contributions. Song of the year, record of the year, male pop solo, Grammy. Yeah, like that's huge. huge. That's impact, especially yeah. for that time when like that shit really mattered. Yeah, and again, it has nothing to do with the music. <laughs> it was no. made years in advance. <laughs> and and honestly, do. it would make more sense for Batman and Robin, which had Poison Ivy, because then right. you would have yeah. Kiss from a Rose. Well, and she and I, deals with plants. Well, and I don't know if you knew that or had the same misheard lyric that I did, but I always thought it was rose on a grave and you have like the batman imagery where they're dropping roses on the grave that's like in almost every batman movie but it's not it's yeah. gray and i didn't realize that yeah. until like 20 years later and uh, well that's because it should be grave <laughs> right he I was wrong like, gray, I think, like why wouldn't this kiss from the gray on the what does that even mean kiss from rose on a grave. i think they can take the grammy back at this point realizing that the lyrics were <laughs> Revoked. Should have been revoked. Great. But really, like, what? What is that even? Performance know. enhancing I lyrics. I don't know. Yeah, in Dolby Atmos surround, you can hear it on each side now. There's an Atmos <laughs> version of the song. <laughs> why? Why not? That lute was that a lute? Okay, so that's, the instrumentation on that song is so goofy too. I don't. I. I really. I, it sounds like a song that would work in like. Um, what's that medieval movie that had like a contemporary soundtrack? Um, Nice there you go. There you go. Good pull. You, you guys I was going to say Marie contact. Antoinette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Night still is the one they do like, uh, we will rock you in it, right? I think. Right. Um, yeah, golden years. Yeah, right, right, that. right. But uh, I think it would work in that, in that movie. You know, like you got that, that instrumentation is so weird. Even for the 90s, it doesn't remind me of anything else. It is really weird in that way, musically. It's a weird song, and it's the kind of song that you wouldn't think would be an immediate hit. No. And it's even a weird inclusion on the soundtrack, which is already kind of a random mix of genres. Because yeah. it's like, you know, it's it seems like it's a mix of what people, what the young people like. You know? Yes. Offspring had just kind of blown up. You know, U2 had become the biggest band in the world at this point. Yeah, in quotes. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you got Method Man because the kids love the hip hop and the Wu-Tang Clan. That Method Man song, that Riddler theme song from Method Man is so fucking funny. The fact that it exists is the most hilarious thing to me. Like, let's give Jim Carrey's Riddler like a Method Man. I wish you would play song. that song live. <laughs> I wish two things about it. I wish someone on the internet, here's a call, please edit that into the brand new Batman movie with the Riddler. Um, that would be <laughs> fantastic. Yes, the Paul Dano Riddler, because that'd just be amazing. And I, I, try, I, don't, I don't have the video editing technicality to do that. But that'd be fantastic. Um, you know. Oh, I need it. Now that you've put it in my brain. <laughs> but that intro it. where he's just, you know, so creepy, uh, that would be great. But also, Cool f- fact about that song. Um, I read it somewhere, heard it somewhere, and didn't realize it for 20 years either, because um, I was really into the original 60s Batman. I have fond memories every time I spent the night at my grandma's. 
we watched Adam West Batman and Golden Girls. They were like a block right next to each other. Oh, wow. So that's beautiful. Fan- that makes me feel like cozy. I'd fantastic evenings. But uh, they sampled that. That melody is the sample of that for RZA. So that's that's that was that was really cool, and I never noticed that as much as I listened to and watched that show. And I don't even care if this is out on a limb, but I for me this is probably one of the more listenable songs on the soundtrack. <laughs> this is fun. It's goofy. Yeah, it's, it's goofy. Um, okay, so let's get into that. Like, how many? If you will, if you want to talk, how many songs do you think on here? Because I probably have a high number, and for sounds of it, you think I, I from that comment, I think you have a low number. How how many of these like good songs like you listen to? Oh, <laughs> oh no! I don't want to answer first, Ryan. You answer first. How are we defining good? Well, yeah. So that's the thing too. Is I, I have a I have the bias of of like it being a part of my youth, so. There's still some songs like I, you know, I've listened to many times as we prepared for this. As well, I'm gonna as go much. six. Okay. Six. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like tipping my hand. Tyler, what, what's your what's your number? So coming into this, I was saying twelve, but I, I think I'm down to eleven. Like eleven songs that I would I would listen to any day of the week. And be like, it's pretty good. Maybe ten. I'm teetering on two of them. The ones I'd for sure cut out though. Uh, the Devlin song and the, because uh, I don't even, the Devlins. You talk about, yeah, the kids were really into Method Man, The Offspring, and The Devlins. I've never heard of another song by them. Um, and the Eddie Reader, that, that's also a really bad, not a great song in my opinion. But uh, There are... I might be up to eight. <laughs> really? You're up to eight? I'm getting, I'm like maybe four... That I that I would truly listen that's to, cool. where that's I'm cool. like, yeah, yeah, like these work for me. I can listen to this independent of it being like a campy thing. But again, I think Tyler, your point about like nostalgia being strong. If you have a connection to this and you remember like rocking it on your boombox, like that's completely different. Nicole, let's start with the Iggy Pop cover. What do you think of that? Oh Jesus, why are you doing this to me? I feel like this. Is, I feel very put on the spot by this. This was not one of my eight, so I just assumed that you'd find it sacrilegious. Not one of my four. <laughs> is that on there? Not, you like that one? No, it's not my favorite. It, it is it's a, not my favorite. I like. I think the thing about it is, it's just it's such a bizarre for me, bizarre conglomeration of '90s songs that don't really flow together or have any connection to the movie and then there's some songs on here by like legitimately really great artists you know there's like a pj harvey song thrown on here there's a nick cave song on this soundtrack that's incredible i think like somebody behind the scenes was like okay we need like this kind of gothy dark industrial vibe because it's batman it's batman batman is those things make it gotham and so they went out and they got the artists that they felt maybe would make it, give it that vibe. Um, but they're maybe not like the strongest songs from some of those artists or like my favorite songs from those artists. Um, so that makes it tough for me. You can blame Jolene Cherry for this gothy vibe. She also did the soundtrack supervision for The Crow. I mean, listen, The Crow is a great soundtrack. I, I have very different feelings towards the, the Crow soundtrack, which I think is this but better, if that makes sense. Same intention, 
different results. I agree with that. So and like, why is flaming lips here? Because they're like, on Warner Brothers records. Oh, I love that song. It's a good song. It's one of my four that I would listen to, and I think okay. it's a good song. So there's the why that we can, yeah. And I think you answered it. Yeah, Warner Brothers records. So they're just gonna have all these artists. But then it's like, okay, the how? How does it make you feel? I got it, and I want to go back. Sorry, let's start. I just want to start back on the first track that we talked about. You too. It sounded like you didn't like it. I love this song. I I love this song. For I and I'm a I'm a huge U2 like defender. I really like U2. All right. Well, I'm gonna ask you the big twenty million dollar question then because I need to know why. What made you a U2 fan? What do you like about U2? Because there's so many eras of U2 also. So I feel like yeah. this is like a, a valid question in the context of this conversation we're going to get to. So I'd say War is my favorite album. Um, it's a great record. I like the Unforgettable Fire as well. So I mean, I grew up listening to it. You know, I grew up listening to U2. My, my parents had the records, the tapes. So like their singles, like that 1980 to 1990, like best of CD, like 14 songs. I used to listen to that all the time. Um, this song wasn't on there. That came in a different, like a different uh, collection. But um, why do I like them? I don't, and I don't. It's not many people associate the like memes and jokes about their like personal feelings on, um, you know, the world and whatever. I could, you know, what, sure, whatever. But no, the music. I, I, I don't know. I like the music. I think I think Bono has a cool voice. I think Edge is a cool guitar player. Um, I think "Pride" in the name of love is probably one of my probably one of my top U two songs. But this oh, was wow. a, this was a song that like bridged their uh, their ninety because they didn't have an album. They had like I think an album in like ninety three and ninety seven. I don't really like those late nineties stuff. I like the like eighties, yeah. early nineties, and then honestly, some of their last few albums I have got went through, and um, I kind of liked some of the songs. Isn't that the weird? Yeah, I mean that's a fair answer. I. I I like that answer, Tyler. I think uh, I'm with you in that I feel like 80s U2 is is far superior to 90s Early 90s. U2. 90, Octung Baby, 91 is an awesome album. Do you like? And this this song from this uh, soundtrack is, I think, that era, right? That's like the Sounds end like of their it. 90s. It's like the end of that era. And then they got like the pop album and then the early 2000s. I'm not a big, not a big fan of. I'll take but, this song over anything they released in the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, wow, big. 20, That's tw- big. 20 years, 20 years, 2002. Um, I would probably agree with you. There's a co- and the song in question for those following along at home and that don't know the sound, it's hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. I always get it like inverted and yeah. fucked up. But it's that, right? It also had a hold badass me. music video. It had a good music video. The music video was uh, like an animated video. And Bono is there, like the whole band is there and they're all animated and it's sort of cartoony and cool. Like I remember the music video maybe being more appealing to me than the song itself. Never saw the video as a kid. Oh, and I don't you think you should see it. Never it's seen great. it. Never you seen see it. it. It's good. It's yeah, it's actually like a nice You'd think I would nice you'd think I would have, but I mean obviously at that time you couldn't just like type in on the internet and look up a video. I would think Yeah, you would have true. to have MTV. Yeah, well, and I did, but I would I would think this would be pretty popular because again, there was like no album. They had a, they had a you know um, album in the early '90s and late '90s. So this was like their only really big release for quite a few years. What was the album after Octone Baby? I'm trying to remember. 
think it's Zootopia. Zootopia is that Disney movie with the fox. <laughs> I always call it. I always call it. I always. I always call it. Zoot, I always call it Zootopia because yeah, because of that movie. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, that album has that awesome uh, collaboration with Johnny Cash, "The Wanderer." Is the last track on that album. That's a really cool track. You ever heard that one? But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I want to preface anything that I say about you two with the troubles are over. Uh, Bono lives in a castle. Does, He's I'm apologized not, it's for okay. putting that album like, on Like you two fans, iPods. don't come for me. I'm pretty sure. Right, right, exactly. But that's the like, thing. Amends have been made. It's okay to make fun of you two if you feel like making fun of you two. Like I think they can handle it. I agree. It's gonna be all right. I agree. I just think it's very funny. Uh, that whole thing i never listened to that album for like years and then one day i'm like oh yeah i should listen to that uh, just why not that free one and there's actually some pretty good songs on there why why is uh, i agree i don't think everyone should just have it without wanting it but um but yeah so it's bad one of the funniest speaking of zootopia i got a zootopia segue you guys um so this this song hold me throw me kiss me kill me kick me in the pants whatever it's called um, down the I don't sheet. know. Like it's got like twenty four words. It's like a, like a Fiona Apple title. Uh, <laughs> this song was nominated for a Golden Globe for best <clears throat> original song. Can you tell me what it lost to? And I'll give you a hint. It is an animated film. Ninety-five. An Elton John song from The Lion King. That you are sort of close. It's even better than that, though. Even better than that. Um, it's so good. I don't know. I'm trying to. Was it Lion King or did Aladdin come out in '95? Aladdin. Yeah, that I don't know. Okay, oh, I don't okay. know. Go ahead. So here it is. No clue. So, you two lost best original song to "Colors of the Wind" from Pocahontas. Okay. <laughs> Which is very funny to me <laughs> for some reason. I mean, it's just funny to me. I don't know why. It's like a Who's you two just song? being taken down. Who's saying, it's Alan Menken, Stephen Schwartz song. Oh, so it wasn't even like a famous musician that did a Disney movie? Oh, jo- cool. Judy oh, Kuhn. actually cool. I didn't know, you know, so many times they have like the, the famous musician do a song for the Disney movie. Basically the actress. Yeah, and the other funny aspect of this is that the same song... Uh, this song was also nominated for a Razzie for worst original song, and it lost to some song called "Walk Into the Wind" from Showgirls. <laughs> so it was neither the worst or the best, Razzie. I guess, critically. Uh, um, the other note I do have on that song, and we talked about in the credits that that is in it. That is a super long part. It's like a minute and a half or over. And then the seal song is just like twenty some seconds at the end, and then it fades out, and the movie's over. So it's really weird how the biggest song is just like twenty seconds at the very end. Like people have already left the theater, well out of the theater. Yes, yeah, super weird, it's, right? It, it's like yeah, this multi pronged marketing machine that they created around this film that I think almost overshadows the film itself, which is maybe a good thing because it's not. Maybe not the best Batman. No. I don't know. Not at all. But did you did you guys rewatch it all recently? 
you rewatch movies or uh, terrible thing show? I have seen it movies. multiple times because I love terrible things. Yeah. So, and I rewatched a little bit of it today just to kind of, you know, just you know, get my memory uh, back. And now I'm I was like, rewatching some of it this morning. <laughs> she's, yeah, her character is ridiculous, and I, I forgot. I don't think Nicole kid. Kidman knows what movie um, she's you in. You know, you forget like some of the adult conversations uh in movies because they're like just go over your head yeah her her character is, is terrible and honestly i thought i liked val kilmer more than i did as batman I'm like he was pretty good batman uh but i i think it's how they made the movie the B- batman is just pretty just very you know just even you know the, the Bruce I, I, I blame the filmmakers yeah, yeah I, for sure because i don't i don't think it's necessarily his fault but um the one th- oh man <laughs> That's sad. I know. Talking about real life. That's oh man, he is my my favorite too. Kevin that, Conroy so is my best. As far as ratings of Batman things, like you said, it's not the best. Uh, I agree. It's it's very mid tier. But the animated series is like, in my opinion, the greatest Batman thing to ever be made. Oh yeah. It's like a great mix of what makes him Batman, like true to the character. I feel like like Batman wouldn't say this or do this. You can say that in the Nolan movies and, you know, in these movies, the newest one. But I feel like that animated series, they had such a strong uh, understanding of the character of Batman and Bruce. And so, yeah, that's my favorite, too. Um, I think it's the purest somehow, like, iteration of Batman. It just feels correct. Yeah. To me. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's and yeah, he's just, he's done it for so long. Yeah. Video games, movies, uh, everything. Yeah. The animated film is great. I mean, Batman Forever is maybe not maybe not the best cinematic version of batman but the crazy thing about this to me is that there's so much money behind it the casting should work in theory val kilmer as batman yeah that works he seems like kind of an asshole millionaire type i get that casting uh jim carrey is the riddler yeah all day long but it doesn't work tommy lee jones, tommy lee jones. Is, he's the worst i mean him and nicole Kidman, tommy lee jones for me the, the worst parts the unbearable part of the movie and i don't know why they made two-face so similar to like the joker and riddler you kind of feel like both the characters are like playing the joker it's really weird uh yeah and they have like totally he's like a great joker and i think that's part of the that's part of the overriding criticism it's like well you don't really make this anything unique and i love looking up like ancient beef ancient beef is like my favorite sub genre (laughs) of shit to talk about on this podcast (laughs) But when I was like, why is this movie so bad? Like, what's the history and why this movie sucks so much? It sounds like part of it was down to people really not getting along, right? It was one of those things where, like, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey apparently hated each other, did not get along, really bad vibes on set. And there's this quote from Jim Carrey to Tommy Lee Jones where he, I guess he told him at some point, I hate you. I really don't like you. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> that sounds like a bad one. Which is like, like that's what most the Riddler in- should say. Amazing. That is what the Riddler should right, say. Better line than anything. <laughs> to two face in the movie. Uh, yes, I, but I'm back pocketing that for later. Like I cannot sanction this. That is a great line. I, I'm familiar with that too. Yeah, and then like. Like you said, no- notoriously, Val Kilmer was so difficult to work with. Like Joel Schumacher hated working with him. So yeah, you, yeah, you think this cast is just like all behind, behind when the cameras are off, just so much disarray. Sadly, 
But I honestly think it's not the writing choices in the, are bad, but I actually think Chris O'Donnell's Robin, besides the goofy things like where they make him call him Al and the earring and all the weird things, like I could see him being a good Robin if they like had a good direction for him in the movie. I mean, the ninja laundry scene alone. So I had a, a defunct YouTube channel where uh, probably about 13 years ago where I, I literally just put that clip of the movie and titled it why Chris O'Donnell is no longer in any good movies. And it was just the scene. I mean, and I feel bad because Chris is, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But that scene is just so bad. Like how, how could anyone watch that and be like, yeah, I could see, I could see him being good in, you know, in this film and, or, you know, that being on his like sizzle reel. Or, yeah, it was, it was just awful. I don't know why that's put on camera. It's, may have been a career ender it, for poor Chris O'Donnell. He's doing fine. Yeah. He's recovered. I'm sure he's fine. I, I maybe he'll have like a Brendan Fraser esque comeback. Maybe people will be like clamoring for him to make great. a research. He always seems like a nice dude. Are we, are we yeah. really comparing him to Brandon Fraser? <laughs> Ryan's so bad at Why not? the face Ryan just made. Why not? Chris wow. O'Donnell songs? Everyone wants a Chris O'Donnell songs. Do I'm, I'm, not, I'm down for Chris O'Donnell songs, but Brandon Fraser like could anchor a franchise. <laughs> I like how you're right. You're right. I like how you just took that phrase and just yeah. I'm down with the Chris O'Donnell songs, but <laughs> I'm I'm basically um, you know helping out Brandis because she would be incensed right now. She would. She is. She is like the number one. She's like the president of the Brendan Fraser. Oh, fan so club. she's happy about his. That's awesome. No, I I watched that GQ. Not GQ. What's the video series where they do the uh, iconic roles or whatever? And it showed him talking about all the movies. And he see, yeah, he seems like a super nice dude. You can't edit that. I mean, he just seems like a genuinely nice person. So yeah, I'm I'm happy too. But you have a you have a co-host who's like top of the top of the club, the Brendan. Awesome. Um, yeah, sure. We should probably, I think I wanted to say one more thing just on the movie in general, just because um, they they stole from The Dark Knight. I don't know if you, and I just noticed this for the first time when I rewatched it. But, you know, the big sequence at the end where he's like, you have to choose between this or that, who you're going to save with Rachel Dawes and uh, Harvey, Two-Face, uh, Harvey Dent. Like, literally, the Riddler, that's, like, the big thing at the end of the movie. He has to choose between saving, I forget her name because she's such a terrible character. Chase Meridian. And, yeah, Chase Meridian. <laughs> or Robin. Like, they, they took that, and they're like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to reuse that. So, honestly, Batman Forever did a lot for the Nolan trilogy. Um, and I, I, I think that's a terrible sequence in the movie, too. Like, you can see they just did that to, like, I don't even know. He's wearing some weird outfit again, and there's all these bright, shiny lights. It's so not even exciting. The whole end of the movie is not exciting at all. Like, they drive in vehicles to the Riddler's hideout. They get blown up right away. It's so boring. Like, and as a kid, I remember it probably just from the shiny lights, thinking it was so cool, but it's very boring. Who does he choose? I don't know. He ends up... He ends up, yeah, you know, he ends up like saving them both, I think, somehow, you know. But okay, well, that's um, disappointing. I wanted to know if Batman was like bros before hose. He seems like a bros before hose type. I'm just saying. Especially because she likes to call him Bats. Well, her name is Chase Meridian. Bats. Can I just call you Bats? 
<laughs> yeah. So anyway, that I don't know. The movie, yeah, the movie is what it is, but we can talk about more songs if you want. Well, I just wanted to bring up some casting things before we move oh, yeah, on yeah, to yeah. the music. Okay, let's, st- let's stick with stick with it. Would this movie have been better with Ethan Hawke as Batman? Was that a possibility? That's he turned it down. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, there was there was quite a bit other uh people mentioned in the cast. Uh didn't uh didn't actually who who and I'm blanking on the, the Nolan trilogy. Um the main Christopher guy? Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale. Um uh, Christian Bale, Christopher yeah, Nolan, he, Christian he, Bale. He yeah, yeah. He uh he auditioned for this movie and like for the Robin part too, I thought, or, or both or something like, or was it Batman forever? I don't know. Yeah. There's a ton of names involved in the, the casting. Would Ethan Hawke be better? I'm trying to think of what movies Ethan Hawke was in it during this time. See, I feel like. Dead Poets Society? Uh, Where's Dead Poets Society? Yeah, maybe before sunset era, Ethan Hawke kind of thing. Um, Let's see. 95. Yeah, I thought it was really strange yeah. that he was considered to be a Batman. Like, I feel like his career has been such like a slow burn that it's like so indie. Yeah, I don't see it. Maybe reality bites. Mm. I don't see it. I see him as so connected to like, I don't know, slacker generation type media. Like, I don't see him as this. Um, the billionaire side. billionaire type type. yeah like i don't see him as that archetype that's kind of an odd choice to me again on paper you think val kilmer is going to work great and maybe he would have under different circumstances yeah i have to agree i think on paper who are some of the you know some of the other choices ryan i I have to look it up i can't remember but there's a ton of names that were i mean i think there was interest in keanu reeves alec and (laughs) william baldwin Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And now, um, wasn't one of the uh, Wayans brothers cast as Robin? Yeah. Marlon Wayans. I think Leo was at one point talking to Schumacher about being in the movie. Yeah. Ewan McGregor. That's always. No, really? That was a possibility? I could see him with like the long long hair, tendril bangs look. Is that. And this is all for Robin. Leo was considered yeah, for Robin. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. It's a lot of Robins. It's a long. Mark Wahlberg, Corey Feldman, Corey Haim. Corey Feldman. Jude Law, Alan Cumming, Christian Bale. Jude Law? Jude Law was considered for Robin? Yep. Hmm. You know, we needed a hot Robin. And they tried to make a cameo for Bono. That's true. I, I did. I remember reading about that as well. Yeah, as like his Mephisto or Mephisto character yeah, Mephisto. that he cr- created for the Zoo Topia <laughs> tour. Yeah, you know, I started totally reading about it, and I'm like, no, yep. this is some Chris game it was nonsense. So... <laughs> you were... I can't do this. <laughs> A role for Bono that would have been ridiculous. Wow. Uh, the '90s R&B girl group in Vogue has a cameo in this movie oh i didn't know that they're like some girls on the street like waiting to see batman so it's just like a quick cameo but i think that really tells you how like peak 95 we are oh, with this nice. film like so we should be we're throwing brandy on the soundtrack we're in vogue is that the scene where he robin steals the, the batmobile and there's like a bunch of people outside and stuff 
I believe so. I could see that. Okay, after we watch that. Yeah, they, 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 I'm sure they had other ideas too for weird celebrity. Like, yeah, the movies, it's, it's so weird. It, it holds no real, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It doesn't seem, looking back, like really, like they tried to make a good Batman movie. I guess we could probably honestly say that. This is the conglomerate of marketing and Warner Brothers. Yeah, it seems like they just took too many notes and tried to shove it all into one movie. Mm-hmm. Big time corporate energy, big time like market research energy. Like we're just gonna we're gonna like market research this thing to death, and we're gonna make toys, but we're not gonna actually stop to consider whether we should do any of these things. Right. Well, the, whether it's good. So the main characters, the only casting we haven't talked about is Jim Carrey and. Jim Carrey was the movie pretty much, right? It was pretty much a Jim Carrey comedy movie starring Batman. And they wanted Robin Williams originally. Yeah, that's right. I think Jim Carrey does a good job being 90s Jim Carrey. I don't know. Is that (laughs) controversial? Well, it's probably better than Schumacher putting Michael Jackson in the movie. What? Michael Jackson uh, lobbied hard for the role of the Riddler. What? I That's how insane that this movie was. Also, Kelsey Grammer, what? Mickey Dolenz, Matthew Broderick, Phil Hartman, Kelsey. Steve Martin, Adam Sandler, and Rob Schneider were also considered. Kelsey no Grammer. citation, though, so Stop. Wikipedia could be pulling our legs. Kelsey Grammer as the Riddler. Kelsey Grammer is the one for me, too. Really? <laughs> Frazier, the Riddler? It's a salad and scrambled It would be a much different take on the Riddler. That's so weird. <laughs> He would not have that bright so orange hair. He's I just mean, balding. He's just a really balding mullet. No, he just has a balding mullet. I mean, not, no offense, but do you think he'd wear the weird pink wig? Uh, I mean, I think he would if they were going to put him in Batman. The green spandex. That's so weird. I'm very disturbed by these choices. I don't why well, he, but he would also not sanction Tommy Lee Jones's buffoonery. <laughs> no, That's true. he wouldn't sanction. Yeah, he wouldn't. Well, he wouldn't sanction Jim Jim Carrey's buffoonery, but he would be it's the Jim like Carrey. The first... Yeah, it's confusing. Ugh, this is like the grossest game of Would You Rather. I really want. So there could have been worse that. choices, guys. No, what I'm saying no. is, I actually think they nailed the Jim Carrey, like for what it was for the, of the time. I feel like. That's yeah, he understands the assignment. Yeah. He's His manic energy is a lot better than Tommy Lee Jones's manic energy. Yeah. I think that's because... Yeah, I mean, it really expecting. prepared him, I think, for his role as uh, Dr. Robotnik in Sonic. So, funny enough, that hey, that's how my son got into Jim Carrey. He's 10. And, I've heard the and, Sonic uh, no, movies are actually not that bad. They're, they're actually, they're actually so. really enjoyable. My son loves them. He's a big Sonic fan. And that's how like he was introduced to Jim Carrey. He's like, I love this hilarious Jim Carrey guy, Dad. Have you heard of him? And I said, well, yes, of course, son, I've heard of him. Oh, oh. Um, oh you know, some of, of the, and I have, you know, we have a bunch of the movies, but I don't know. I felt like, I don't know if he appreciates, he loves comedy stuff, but so since I've shown him the Sonic movies, I've showed him like Dumb and Dumber and um, uh, Ace Ventura. I don't think we watched The Mask yet, but, you know, those like three movies of like, those were like my childhood. But, uh, so I finally did show him this movie not too long ago because I'm like, yeah, hey, I got to prepare for this podcast. And he's never seen it. Uh, uh, he likes Spider-Man, but 
he's not really super into Batman. And so I showed him the movie and said, yeah, Jim Carrey, he's so good. Everything he does, he's so funny. So I think they, yeah, <laughs> I think they accomplished that. Um, that's, that's pretty much it though. But to some people it's probably horribly annoying and they can't stand the movie, you know? So yeah, I think this movie was trying fair. to capitalize on a bunch of like star power. Like yeah, that was the only consideration. Control it. Yeah. Like, but you oh, have Tommy to, like... Lee Jones, great in the fugitive. Let's put him in this movie. Yeah. He'd be chasing down Batman the whole time. It'd be perfect. His casting is the casting that makes the least sense to me. Agreed. Because yeah. I think they could put a lot of people in the Harvey Dent role. And for some reason, they decided to go with Tommy Lee Jones. I think it was just kind of like a, it was like a calculated maneuver of who are the, the biggest names right now in like 1994. Yeah. Who we got. Yep. And you can see where that gets you to the product. But I think obviously movies... Maybe a little bit, but I think they've learned a lot since then. You know, they really do a lot more as far as the casting. But I think it's the studios of learning, too. Like, obviously, superhero movies since 95 have become a whole new thing. You know, what what other superhero movies were in this 10-year span? Was there, like, five or six? You know, X-Men hasn't come out yet. Spider-Man hasn't come out yet. So you had, like, Batman and Superman every once in a while. Yeah, and Superman pretty, hadn't shown up for a while. No, Superman no. So, yeah, you, people would be outraged now if, if they came out with a Batman movie that was just, let's just throw some people together in a room that are really famous and, uh, I don't know, it'll sell tickets. People... The one thing that I will say is that I, I do think that there's, with some exceptions, like, you know, the Thor movies and stuff, I feel like there is a seriousness to superhero movies that the Nolan movies started that yeah. this definitely doesn't have. Like, there's no stakes to this other than how many Happy Meals do we sell? Like, it's not trying to be cinema. No. No, it um, It's just supposed to be entertainment. Whether it succeeds at being entertainment is a different conversation, but at least it's not overly serious. Whereas I think a lot of the movies that we've ended up with that are superhero films now, um, I don't know, I feel like I have to be, like, very serious when I watch them. Like, there's right. a discourse. This, in 95, yeah, yeah. you could still do... But you could still do characters without any backstory. Like I remember watching in The Crow, and like one of the bad guys is like, "All I like to do is like steal and kill." <laughs> like I have no other motivation in life, and I feel like you could do that with but like it didn't matter. You know, it was like yeah, uh, it did exactly. Everybody was kind of like a, a little bit of a cardboard cutout, and that's okay. Like that's its own you know type of entertainment, but it's not trying to be like high art. Um, I don't want to see the Schumacher cut that is supposedly like darker and grittier. Like I don't give a shit about that. This is well, I think Tyler's I seen it. I kind of do. I kind of really do. <laughs> you see, did the tra- where there's like that big bat and like Batman's coming face to face with it. There's a bunch of talk that online and like the producers and people that were going to leave. So it's supposed to be actually like really good. I'd see it. I'd watch it. Um, but I do want to go back to Happy Meals because you said Happy Meals a minute ago. Do you remember the mugs? from the Happy Meal toys for this movie. No, I don't think so. Enlighten us. They were a point of contention between a friend and I because like my friend had all four, the Riddler, Two-Face, Batman and Robin. And they were like actual glass mugs that were like formed to the character. I remember one of them had like a really jagged edge. It was very dangerous. 
but they it was a set of four and he like had them all displayed he's like yeah i got them all and i i could never get them i'd go to mcdonald's and i'd try to do you have the riddler today and they're like no we don't have it and i never had all four and uh it made me sad but he was he was, oh. he, was he was kind of thrown in my face a little bit he also had the batman forever blue light up batmobile that i always wanted to so. Oh, that's a shame. You should go on eBay. <sighs> Although, if it makes you feel better, I did read a thing that all those glass cups from McDonald's are mostly just lead. Yeah, just literally <laughs> cancerous. Okay, yeah, probably. Right. So at least you didn't get lead poisoning. That other kid, that's though. That's true. That's true. I just think it's weird that McDonald's would give you glass and a Happy Meal. Oh, that's right. I mean, I mean, they, they were. Did I can't remember the character. Was it Batman? It was borderline like a sharp part of the cup like it was it was hard it was uncomfortable to use you know but he he's like yeah it's awesome even though it hurts it's so cool the riddler one i had and i did like the i had, I had the riddler one that was pretty cool but uh yeah so they were glass they weren't just plastic cups and they weren't just like toys they were dinnerware like you could put it in a china cabinet almost and just yeah i, I remember that era where they were selling like collectible glassware yeah, it was it was next next level for the Batman, like a toys, you know, and a Happy Meal. Merchandising. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to you can you can look them up. Okay, should we talk about this music at all? Do you want to talk about any of this? I do. I think we need to go back to music, uh, Ryan. I feel like you have more to say. I feel like you're holding back a little bit. Um. Well, I like the music double what you like the music, Nicole. <laughs> I like it twice as much. Well, then you should have twice as much to say. Sing its praises. Um, so I remember my friend had the soundtrack, and I remember hounding him to make a cassette copy for me because I really wanted the Sunny Day Real Estate song and the Flaming <laughs> Lips song. Amazing. So uh, for those of you who don't know who Sunny Day Real Estate is, uh, they are a band from Seattle. And they put out an album in 94 on Sub Pop called Diary, which is kind of one of the cornerstones of like the 90s emo, early 2000s emo movement. Um, they broke up in 95 and the drummer and bassist ended up joining Dave Grohl to be like the first version of Foo Fighters. So a lot of people got into Sunny Day Real Estate because of that connection, myself included. And so this soundtrack had at the time an unreleased sunny day real estate song um called eight which would eventually come out on their second album after they broke up but for me i really wanted the song and it's it totally doesn't fit on the soundtrack no not at all and it's got like this weird like quiet like intro before like it jumps into the rest of the song not that it matters because i think if it's in the movie, it's for like 10 seconds and it's the quiet part. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was a big deal for me at the time. I was like, oh, cool. Sunny Day Real Estate's on the soundtrack and the Flaming Lips are on the soundtrack. And, uh, you know, so I had to like bug someone at my school to like make me a copy of it. Did it work? Did you harass them into making you a cassette? I, yeah, I got it. And I think I only like listened to like the second half of the soundtrack. Because I wasn't like, yeah. in, you know, because I could listen to Kiss from a Rose every time I turned on the radio everywhere. or MTV. Yeah, everywhere in the grocery store. Yeah, really, honestly, so if you do like halfway through the soundtrack, 
from track eight on, you know, besides a couple of those songs. See, I, I really dig both those songs, the two closing songs. Um, the Nick Cave song, like, kind of, like, scared me as a kid. Like, I, I was honestly, like, scared to listen to it. That's fair. Oh, this is Nick Cave is terrifying creepy. to children. Like, why? What child is listening to Nick Cave? But like now, what, like, but now I like put it on. Man, I remember I was listening to it because I mean, I think we were talking about this. Was it this summer when we first got in contact? Like, hey, we should record something. Um, and then I think I started listening to it again. And I, I this song I just kept like repeating because I'm like, oh, it's so creepy. I was driving around a campsite at night and I was like, this is so. <laughs> I was camping there. I didn't just like go to a campsite and see if there's any kids around. <laughs> No. Burying a body. My family and I were camping. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but I remember it came on and it was all dark. And so at, at these places, you know, there's not like street lights and stuff. Like it's so dark. And I'm like, this is so creepy. And I mean, an adult. And I'm in a car with power locks and I can lock myself in and I'm still scared. Well, that's um, why Red Right Hand is like kind of like the theme song for all the theme mo- or all the scream movies. That's right. also a Nick Cave song. And that's also in a Jim Carrey movie, Dumb and Dumber. Red right hand is wow. in Dumb and Dumber. Absolutely, I was unaware of that. When he uh, gets robbed by the old lady, <laughs> yeah, um. that's ridiculous. That has as ridiculous. Um, but again, like I, I think this kind of speaks to some very like fringe, weird things maybe slipping their way onto soundtracks because Sunny Day was on Sub Pop. They Weird. were not on yeah. Warner Brothers. Yeah. Right? So somebody said, you know what we need in this compilation? We need that up-and-coming emo band. Right. We yeah. need to reach out to the emo kids because they matter too. I don't know that that would be considered today. I don't well, I think they thought they were probably going to blow up. Make, I, make it big. I think Diary for a long time was the second biggest seller on Sub Pop. Obviously, second to Nirvana's Bleach. I think now it's the that Postal Service album, but for the longest time it yeah, was I mean, like it was like Bleach and then Diary. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that year I think too, sort of the that's the year whatever like Midwest and emo was starting to kind of take off, and there was some definite like emo vibes on this. Batman is kind of emo. Like I can see like a totally. alternate universe where if this happened a little later. There'd be like a full emo soundtrack. And it would be Ethan Hawke as Batman. Well, well, and we have Ethan Hawke as Batman. Well, we had Robert Pattinson as Batman. Like he's super and, emo. And Nirvana is in the only song in the movie. Oh, something but, in the way. Yeah, that's literally the only song in the movie. So there you go. Full circle. I don't know. There's something like just like at its core, like there's very emo about the character of Batman. Absolutely. Me. I feel like they explore that more. Well, I mean, yeah. his whole life is driven by the death of his parents, the murder of his That's parents. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. It's been 20 years. Get over it now. You have to, like, <laughs> be an adult. Get well, over that well, is why to, Lego Batman to, is my favorite. To go, to go, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, Batman. And I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying someone's lost someone. But to go literally fight criminals on the street is a, is next level. And I think that's why a lot of the Batman stuff um, lately has kind of made him really focused on that he, the fact that he is um, kind of mentally unstable. Like, they've really gotten into that. Because, well, when you think about it on paper, you're like, oh, yeah, Batman, he's amazing. He's hilarious. He's Adam West. And you're like, but, but wait, he's, wait he's, he's going and just beating random people up? And, yeah. 
you get you get why they kind of delve into that. I forget about how much in the '90s that uh, like Massive Attack was on like every soundtrack. Now, okay, that's what I wanted to ask. Do you guys? I, I I honestly always knew this as a kid. I couldn't. I could not place it together. But the vocalist on that song, I couldn't tell you by name, Tracy Thorne, but you know where she's from, right? Hmm. Hmm. Ryan, do you know this one either? Everything but the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So I could always connect those voices as a kid, or I couldn't, I, you know, by just like looking at the notes, I couldn't. Uh, Fascinating. But that's a cover of a Marvelette song. Mm-hmm. Right. Factoids. Got it. That's the weird thing, too. So that's a cover. Um, the Offspring is a cover. And the Michael Hutchins of NXS is a cover. Yes. That was weird too. Really weird. The, the... A lot of covers, but it also kind of makes sense, right? Because maybe they, you know, whatever, went to these people and they're like, we don't have an original song for you, but I can cover The Passenger and it'll be bad. It is really bad. Like it's, it's really bad. <laughs> Smash It Up is not bad. I love it. That was, that was my favorite. Like, that was the one I would go to. That was, it. that was the one I would repeat all the time as a kid. And I had no clue who the Dan was at, you know, eight years old. I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah. This punk rock band, The Offspring. And I had yeah. no clue it was a cover. Like, this is just a great song. And, um, you know, I probably. If that got even one child to be into The Damned afterwards, then it did its job. <laughs> one child. You know, just one. One child. That's I didn't so end weird. up uh, appreciating Massive Attack until much later in life. Yeah, totally. But the music Same. on that's really cool. I, I enjoy the music. I don't necessarily love the lyrics or the vocals per se. Sorry, Tracy. Um, but I that's one song I would like destroy and never listen to again. But it's not my favorite. That the Massive Attack and Tracy Thorne collab. Um, the Eddie Reader one can go to the sun forever. Um, the Dev, the Devlin's, the Devlin's song, and the the Hutchins passengers. So it's like a bad Nine Inch Nails song. Oh, it's so bad! It's, it's, it's so, at, like it's this whole thing of like people trying so to bad. be industrial. Oh, it's so bad! I hate it so much. It this is, is for the crow, right? Now it's for Batman. Oh, I thought no, this was so for bad. the crow. No, it's really bad. Um. But no, I, I really love the Offspring uh, song. I really love the Nick Cave song. The Mazzy Star song. For a Mazzy Star song, I think is very mid-tier. It's no fade into you. Oh, that's a fit. Oh, man, that's a good song. Uh, yeah. So, again, in the era of CDs where you can skip songs, this was, like, right. perfect for me. Because I'm like, I love a lot of these songs. I'm skipping some of them, but... Um, and the PJ Harvey one is really cool. And it's so, it's a really interesting track too, where you have like the huge U2 anthem and then that just cuts in. It's kind of a short song, um, but that's a really, oh, we didn't talk about the Brandy one. Did we talk about the Brandy one? We didn't talk about Brandy, no. Let's talk about Brandy. We don't talk about Brandy. We don't talk about Brandy. Bad joke. So she kind of, I guess her and Method Man, they're they're the R&B hip hop representation to the soundtrack yeah this this song was written by lenny kravitz also um i don't the music's fine her voice is fine the uh 
and I never realized this, the, the vocals are, are or the, the lyrics are just really dumb. What, so Ryan, I think, brought up a really a really great point. So we're in the age of streaming, and I tend to forget that, well, yeah, back in the day, you just see a track listing, and you would go, oh, shit, Sunny Day is on this? I don't know this song, and I need it. Um, I think this was maybe even, like, pre-pirating, right? So you couldn't even, yeah, so you couldn't even, like, LimeWire any of this shit to find out if it was worth your time. You just had to buy it. So execs know that. And I think they probably paid less for these really mid songs from some of these otherwise great artists. And I think that's why it doesn't hold up and maybe feels a little frustrating from like a modern lens. Like, okay, well, this is not a good Mazzy Star song at all. This is not, it's not my favorite Nick Cave song by any means either. Exclusive to this soundtrack though. But, it, but it's on the soundtrack and it's exclusive and you're like, okay, I can't hear it anywhere else. So not hear this Nick I'm going to buy it. I'm going to roll the dice because I'm a fan. Anyway. No. It's so weird. I forgot about that too. Yeah, the Nick Cave song is completely just for, I mean, because there, there's a few songs on here that are on other things. You know, the U2 one was on their compilation. The um, uh, Bad Days was on a, another Flaming Lips album. But yeah, there's a good handful of ones that are exclusive to this. And then, you know, even now with streaming, I mean, you brought up streaming, you can't stream soundtracks, you know, because of all the rights and stuff. Like, you literally have to go buy the compact disc or buy, like, the entire thing on iTunes for, like, $15 or $10. You cannot just, like, cherry pick the song. Or hope that someone on Spotify has put a playlist together. They still have (laughs) their, their clutches around the mighty dollar when it comes to you have to you have to give up money to listen to the song. It's kind of weird. It's kind of unique. <laughs> but uh, does anybody know why you can't stream this soundtrack in its entirety anywhere? Like, what is the why? Because you can't. It's no, like there's not, so many soundtracks like that. Yeah, that's you a, a right issue. Um, I think you guys have done a couple. Like, I think that's the way with Space Jam. It's a way with a lot of anything in the '90s because all those rights were like the artists. They had like exclusivity deals, so they would like make it for a soundtrack. You can only get it on and the soundtrack. Yeah, it's just wild to me because it's such a like big blockbuster film. So I can see it with smaller films where you wouldn't have that unlimited rights usage to all of these songs. But it's just like not there. It's very it's just not as beloved it's enough like, uh, for them to keep paying for the rights. So like you can find the crow. Totally right, because people love that soundtrack and people love that film. So it's a it's a different there's motivation behind it you say people don't but love still, batman like, forever it feels like oh we're missing this i think people love certain the... songs from batman forever the funny thing is this has had two vinyl reissues as well there's like a blue what? and silver like one disc is no. it's, it's two two discs because it's 14 tracks one's blue and silver one's purple and green um because you know i still have that original cd that i got from the catalog but i'm like should i get this on vinyl would it be fun to yeah, you'd have to skip those tracks yeah, I know. I'd have to you know, pick up the needle. Ah, oh, man, the poor Devlin. Were they for Record Store Day? Were they like limited um, releases? I don't think so. No, I remember because I remember I bought the Space Jam one on Record Store Day, uh, and then I I sold it because I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> Should have sold it to Brandis. She loves Does that she love it. Does she love it? I got well, that Michael with Jordan. Brandis. Basketball. I grew up in Illinois. Um, my, basketball, Michael Jordan, 
you know, all that it was like so many things were fantastic about that. But then, yeah, I'm like, this, there's not that many great songs on here that I love. So I, uh, yeah. but no, I don't think this was special edition release. I think it's just because so many people demanded, we want Batman Forever. It came out and people bought it in two different vinyl editions. Yeah, it makes sense. I think like you people are probably looking at it through like it's the McDonald's glass. It's like, oh, cool. Like, I, I think I do need this. I have nostalgia for this. Did you I, say you people? That. You say you people? Yeah, you you people. people no, people like you. Wow. No, I wouldn't say you. That'd be wow. weird. You people. You Batman <laughs> forever. People? You comic book people. I feel so out of my depth in this episode, by the way, because I feel like I'm there, not There's probably enough. tons of people who have that nostalgia kick for the soundtrack because yeah. they were in, you know, between 10 and, you know, 16 years old when this came out, they probably bonded over this with friends and, you know, listened to half of it and forgot that you threatened the other half is, you th- I didn't threaten him. He was bigger than me. Oh, I thought you said I threatened him to make me a No, I, like, I hounded him for it. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll have to rewind. I'll listen to it. <laughs> All right, Tyler, last question. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm trying to come up with like a fun last question for every guest that we have. What Spoon song would best fit the Batman Forever soundtrack? Oh, wow. Mm. I got to take a second. This is a, like you're taking this really seriously. This, I feel like the Jeopardy music oh, would be playing. I'm taking this very seriously. And we're talking about this set of 15, 14 songs. Like what Spoon song would fit on here and somehow like try to like save it? Are you saying? Yeah. Like if you took a time machine back to like this soundtrack okay. Okay. meeting and said, hey, there's this band Spoon and you got to put this song on there. I'm from the future. They're great. Okay. Does it have to be from the 90s? Like their 90s, early No, 90s. any Spoon song. All right, man anything I'm, I'm gonna take i'm gonna take a, a few seconds here and nicole you can also you know, i'm like thinking about it too I'm like, I, I came I up with it? a question but i don't i don't think i have a uh, hard answer on this yet okay i'm thinking um i'm gonna do everything hits at once Ooh, okay it's a really emotional That's song why, why that it's a really emotional song you know the the parents dying is still stinging don't say a word. The last one's still stinging. The last words were like, hey, I got to leave the opera, mom and dad. I'm scared. And they're like, all right, fine. That whole, the whole last moments just keep, you know, everything gets at once. Like, I have to be Batman now. I have to beat up criminals now to avenge my parents' death. And it's emotional. And um, that is my dead serious answer. That is a great answer. Yeah. That I mean, that is like a knowledgeable, like that's a that's an answer from a person who runs a podcast. <laughs> hey, I thought about it. I had to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I I think something from girls can tell or they want my soul would be kind of my two albums that I would be pulling from. I know. It's kind of like could there be like a Bruce Wayne scene to like lines in the suit? I don't know, for some reason like old older spoon is pinging for me i could see like a fight or a batmobile chase to outline <gasps> well since we're on that record what about rainy taxi kind of a dark uh yes actually that could be like a goth uh, 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 
That might be my answer. I'm going to take my answer since you brought up they want my That's a good one. That's a really good one. That The vibe of that is correct. Okay, now I don't have the editing technology to do the, what I said before, Riddler. But I think I could probably find a montage of a, of a Batman, like in the, in the Batmobile, to rainy taxi. I think I could do that. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be great. No one would want that. I want that. I want that. Britt Daniel yeah. wants it. Two people want that. Yeah, I think it's probably one of his dreams is... He'd be like, and then they can pay me Warner Brothers money for that song. Well, anyways, uh, thank you, Tyler, for being on the podcast. Oh, man, it's it's been such a good time. I appreciate it for, for having me. And again, Batman Forever. It was so much fun talking Batman Forever with you, even though we got on some kind of weird tangents. Yeah, I mean... Whatever, I didn't complain about you two nearly as much as I could have, so you're welcome. Um, so anyways, uh, Tyler, if people want to check you out, I turn my podcast on. How can they find you? Um, yeah, the podcast is on all podcast apps. Uh, and that's just you'd search I turn my podcast on. On Instagram, it's at I turn my podcast on. Twitter is at turn my podcast on, where I'll post updates when new episodes come out and there's random like spoon fandom discussions and lore. And yeah, check it out. Very cool. Um, you can check us out on Twitter if it still exists at soundtrack underscore your. <laughs> I was good, yeah. On Instagram at soundtrack cast. Um, if Twitter dies, we'll be on Hive or whatever everyone else jumps to. Hopefully, as soundtrack cast. You can support us on Patreon. We are at uh, patreon.com slash soundtrack your life. We'll have exclusive episodes. We have one coming up before the end of the year where we're going to kind of talk about the end of the year in music and soundtracks. And uh, if you do the $8 option, you get a Soundtrack Your Life sticker. So anyways, thank you again, Tyler. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back soon. Thank you both. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, soundtrackyourlife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.